0: Heavenly Father, we thank you for this gathering tonight. Brothers and sisters in Christ, here for the sole purpose of hearing your word. And Lord, I ask that you just prepare our hearts and minds to receive your word. Open up our hearts and minds so that we're receptive to your word. So that we may know what your word is trying to say to us so we can apply it to our lives, so we can allow the word to do its work in us and change us from the inside out and transform us. To show us in our life where we need to change, to be that that, that sword that rightly, divides the, that rightly divides the word of truth, that divides the soul and spirit. Lord, I ask God that you would send your Holy Spirit to also guide us as we read and study your word tonight. Because your Holy Spirit was brought to us to lead and guide us into all truth and also to bring to remembrance your word at just the right place and at the right time. And your your, your Holy Spirit is also our tutor, our teacher, our interpreter. So we ask that your Holy Spirit would just lead, guide and direct us through your word to be able to rightly uh, discern it and to know Uh, the truth of what the Word is trying to say to us and how we can apply it to our lives here in the modern day in the 21st century. Lord, forgive us of our failures and our sins and our shortcomings. Help us to be and do all that you want us and have us to be. And draw us closer to you and to each other through you. Because in the days ahead, that's all we're going to have to depend on. We know we can depend on you. We need to know that we can depend on each other. We need to be loyal to the soil, as they say. And we know that we're going to be a remnant. But that's okay. We need your strength and your help to endure to the end. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We ask these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. First Peter 1 says, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, of Yeshua the Messiah. So the King James often uses vernacular that we don't use. I, I mean, I don't know about you, but there's I, I can't think of any time in my life where I was just having a conversation with somebody and I told somebody to gird up their loins. I mean, it's just it's, we just don't use that arcane language. but I still love the way the King James puts it because it puts it in such a unique and memorable way to gird up your loins but we you know you may be asking, well what the heck does gird up your loins mean? So you we have to understand what girding up means before we can understand what girding up, the loins of one's mind means. So back in biblical times, everybody wore robes. And uh, so when they went about their, you know, every day they wore robes, but if they were working in the fields or they had to run or they had to fight, that's when they girded up their loins. They took the back half of their robe that was fallen on the back, lifted it up between their legs and tucked it into their belt. And it would create like these baggy Aladdin type pants. It freed up their legs so they can you know get in a warrior stance or the, so they could take off running and not be hindered or you know or so they could kind of bend over and crouch over and work in the field and so when somebody said gird up your loins it means get ready it means to prepare yourself so gird up your loins you know you've heard a gird up the loins of your mind so you heard people say now are you sitting down because I need to tell you something so when somebody says are you sitting down and they're about ready to land a bombshell it means it's it's something that you need to prepare for because it's going to come to you as a shock so they don't want you to pass out or faint or fall over they want you to be sitting down in case you do faint so it's kind of like brace yourself prepare yourself so just kind of psych yourself up for what's happening so peter's saying in 1 peter 1 13 gird up the loins of your mind and he follows that up with saying be sober Now, it's not necessarily saying don't don't be drunk, even though yes, that's what it means, but it's more of the connotation of be on your guard, be alert, kind of have your head on a swivel, always be looking behind your back. So whenever you're in a strange place, like you're a tourist, I don't know about you, but I put my wallet in my front pocket, because it's not as easy for somebody to pickpocket your front pocket, it's easy for them to pickpocket your back, So if I'm in a strange place, I always put my wallet in my front pocket and I'm always like looking around, surveying my surroundings. I don't want to get caught off guard. I don't want to be taken by surprise because I'm unfamiliar with the territory I'm in, with the people that I'm around. So that's what Peter's saying here. He's saying, prepare your mind, prepare yourself, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. In other words, be alert, have your head on a swivel and hope to the end for grace. So this hope is not some kind of hope that you wish that it happens. It's the hope that you know is going to happen. So, you know, I have the hope. In other words, I, I have the anticipation of I look forward to my wife coming home from work. That's what that kind of hope means. And hope to the end for grace. In other words, it's all going to work out in the end. That uh, work hope to the end for grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ of Messiah Yeshua so mentally and spiritually we need to be prepared for hard times that are coming ahead so that we won't be caught off guard we won't get depressed we won't get fearful and we won't give up how many times did Jesus say to his disciples several things he says guys you know they're gonna get me I'm gonna be crucified I'm gonna go up to Jerusalem They're going to hand me over. And he said it like three, four or five different times. And it's like they were still shocked when it happened. I don't know if they like just went over their head, went in one ear and out the other, or if they just refused to believe what Jesus was telling them. But then he he also said to the disciples, prepare for hard times. You will be hated because of me. You will be persecuted. You will have tribulation." But when he said these things, he didn't say them without hope. He said, you will be persecuted. You'll be brought before courts and judges and authorities, et cetera, et cetera. You're going to be hated because of me. But those who endure to the end shall be saved. So he said, you know, he he gave us this warning. He gave this heads up. But he also said that he would be with us until the end. You know like it says in the Great Commission lo I am with you always even until the end of the world even until the end of the age so we're not to fear so we need to be mentally prepared for what's coming and kind of expect it see the writing on the wall and prepare for it because if we don't then we will get fearful we will get depressed we will think that God has abandoned us and we'll give up so these are the things that we need to gird up the loins of our mind for number one We're living in chaotic and contradictory times, just like in the time of the Judges. If you read the book of Judges, it kind of sounds like a lot of what we're living in today. So in Judges 21-25, it says, There was no king in Israel, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. Basically, everybody had their own version of right and wrong. Everybody had their own version of morality. And isn't that what it is today? it's not right and wrong it's oh what might be right for you may be wrong for me and what may be wrong for me may not be right for you or whatever and they, they say oh well, well that well well that's your truth and this is my truth and it contradicts your truth right but they're both calling it truth um, you can't have more than one truth truth is truth and a lie is a lie so it's not your truth and my truth it's either the truth or it's a lie Bottom line. But yet we're living in a day where everybody can choose their own measuring stick for right and wrong. Their own measuring stick for morality. There was no king in Israel. So a king means that there is a universal law. That there is an established law that everybody has to go by. That everybody has to follow. There's no exceptions. So it says there's no king in Israel to do this. So every man did what was right in his own eyes. But Proverbs 14.12 says... Um, there, There is a way that seems right to a man. In other words, he's going by what he feels. By what he feels is right and wrong. What he wishes, what he wants to be right and wrong. There is a way that seems right to a man. But the end thereof is death. So I guess it's not so right after all. We know what it says with the Romans Road: For the wages or the payment of sin is death. Sin equals death. What is sin? 1 John 3, 4, sin is a breaking of God's law. So God's law determines what is right and wrong. Physically, mentally, spiritually, morally. And so Deuteronomy 28 spells it out very clearly. If you keep God's instructions, these blessings can't help but overtake you and tackle you. You will be blessed. And as a result of being blessed, you will have life. But on the other hand, it says if you are disobedient... To God's Word then you will be cursed curses can't help but tackle you and overtake you and the result of which will be death so life for obedience death for disobedience there is a way that seems right to a man but the end thereof leads to death and 2nd Timothy 3 5 it says having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof so Paul is explaining to Timothy that there's going to come a time. Well, let's just go to that passage and just kind of read that. So 2 Timothy three says, "But know this: that in the last days, now Paul could say the last days because we're two thousand years removed from that from this writing. So a day is to the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as a day. So in Paul's time, it was the last days because they were." Still, you know, 2,000 years left. Now, in the, in, now, know this, that in the last days, I think we can say we're in the last day. We're probably in the last 1,000 years before the Lord's return. I'm not trying to set a date or anything like that, but just the way things are looking. But know this, that in the last day, perilous times, that word could be translated times of insanity, insane times, perilous times will come. Not that they could be or might or maybe, but will come. For men will be lovers of themselves. People are worshiping a trinity, and it is not the holy trinity. It is the unholy trinity made up of me, myself, and I. For men will be lovers of themselves. Everybody's out for themselves. Everybody wants everybody to love them to make them famous, to make them rich, to make them popular. They don't care about anybody else. And social media has really like kicked this off and made this explode. I mean, what happens when people take selfies? They're loving themselves. Oh, look at me. Look at the new outfit. I got look at the new tattoo. I got look at the makeup I have on. Look how stylish I look. Look how cool I look. Me, me, me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I mean, that's what little kids do, right? I mean, hey, mom, dad, look what I can do. Look what I can do. That's what little kids do. And yet men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of themselves that they they want to experience every single pleasure that a human being can experience. And they don't care if somebody else suffers. Men will go out and have sex with a prostitute, most likely a woman who has been trafficked who has been kidnapped, taken from another country, and have been exploited and forced into prostitution. They don't care as long as they get their kicks and jollies and they don't care how much they pay. Men will be lovers of themselves and we're seeing that today. Slavery may be illegal, slavery may be done away with in the the, the academic sense, but human trafficking of women and children Is unprecedented in our day and time there is still slavery but we just call it human trafficking men will be lovers of themselves lovers of money there's there's a there's a standard that I have personally I will not listen to a musician who has a money sign in their name if they spell their name with a money sign, or maybe their 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 name is having to do with money, I'm not going to listen to them because I know who their God is at that point. I know what they worship, and I know what they're all about, and I know they'll sell their own grandma for a few grand. So I won't listen to 50 cents. I won't li- listen to Kesha because she's got a dollar sign in her name. I mean i know what they're about you're you're pronouncing what you're about when you do stuff like that men will be lovers of themselves lovers of money how many hostile takeovers have we had business-wise where it's just cutthroat and and you know people lose their jobs because there's a big merger or big money a company takeover or a big monopoly happening and it's all about the money they don't care about you know the low guys on the totem pole who are actually making the 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 business successful they're they're having to put food on the table for their their family but they don't those people don't care they'll be lovers of money boasters one reason i don't listen to rap music is because most of the time rappers only rap about themselves how big they are how bad they are how great they are how much how famous they are how much money they have how much how many women they have It's all about them loving themselves boasters. I'm the greatest. I'm the baddest. I'm this. I'm that Proud Proud people are so proud. We have a whole month to celebrate how proud people are and uh, Wait, wait, wait. Hang on. Remind me again. Why Satan was kicked out of heaven. Oh It was pride was it not? Because pride entered his heart the Bible says, you know, that that we shouldn't be, be be boastful or proudful, even though that demons are subject to us. But the only thing we should take pride in, so to speak, is that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So it says there will be lovers of money, boast boasters, proud blasphemers. Anybody watch the uh, the, the the Grammys or the Super Bowl lately? Good thing that you didn't. Because it was all about blasphemy. The Grammys, they were all dressed in red, tight skin outfits with devil horns, and the song was called Unholy. And they were bumping and grinding on each other on stage and and just performing lewd, you know, sex acts with their clothes on. The Super Bowl halftime was no better same kind of outfit and motif blasphemers they they don't even hide it anymore it's just in your face and out in the open and they don't care blasphemers disobedient to parents i mean you know what they did back in the old testament times when somebody was disobedient to their parents they were stoned, and not the marijuana kind of stoned. They were taken out, and they were pelted with rocks until they died. Disobedience to pa- disobedience to parents. I mean, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a time that when I was disobedient to my parents, I got I got my block knocked off. I got my face knocked into the middle of next week. You know. I, I mean, I didn't dare, I mean, my goodness, especially not be disobedient to my mom in front of my dad. That was pretty much a death sentence. I mean, he, he, he took off his belt at that point. Disobedience to parents. I mean, I remember back in the 90s, it you know you had all these talk shows, send my kid to boot camp, right? And now you don't even have shows like that. They're just coming on bragging how big and bad they are and what they do against their parents. Like trying to stab them in the middle of the night while they're sleeping. I mean, crazy stuff like that. And not even giving a rip of what they do or say to their parents. I mean, my parents' philosophy was, I brought you into this world and I could take you out, right? <laughs> Disobedient to parents. Un- unthankful. Unthankful. I mean, one of the most disgusting videos I've seen was this kid who got a car for his 16th birthday. Oh, but it was a used car. Oh, but it wasn't the make and model, the year and the brand and the color that he wanted. And he thought his parents were joking with him. And he pitched a fit because he got a car for his 16th birthday. I mean, if I had a car that got me to point A to point B, I don't care what it is, I'd be grateful and thankful for it. Like this kid thought he was entitled to have, you know, whatever whatever he imagined his dream car was but you know what these kids who get these cars at 16 years of age especially you know the rich families who get them brand new cars they're usually in the junkyard three months later why because the kids didn't work hard to buy it they don't care they'll jump ramps with it and you know street race with it and do all this crazy stuff and then it ends up in the junkyard because they don't care but if a kid has to work for his car if he gets a clunker, he's going to take care of it. He's going to be waxing it and washing it every weekend, even if it's 20 years old and has a couple of rough spots and it's a clunker. But Paul was 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 warning Timothy's like these times are coming. And he says in the last days, implying then and now. So unthankful, unholy. Well, the Grammys just proved that. Unloving, unforgiving, unforgiving. I mean, this woke culture, if you say or do anything against it, they will crucify you on social media. But if you, if, they, if you feel pressured enough and you say, oh, wait, that's not really what I meant. And let me clarify. I'm not really against this. And I'm sorry it came out this way. Are they going to say, oh, well, that's all right. We understand. No, they're going to crucify you more. They're going to double down and they're going to annihilate you. Unforgiveness. They don't care, they're ruthless, slanderers. Well, that's what Facebook is all about. You don't like somebody, you just, you know, make up a bunch of stuff on uh, social media and people will believe it. Without self control, without self control, the things that are happening in public, in view of kids and elderly is unbelievable my son-in-law uh in the summertime landscapes and landscapes public places he saw two people in broad daylight in a park having sex and they just kind of looked up as he was mowing and like oh well and went back to what they were doing like seriously without self-control brutal i mean there's people there's been more violence than ever before People getting beat within an inch of their life and they don't care. When the defund the police thing happened and, you know, uh, you know, the riots were in the streets and you had patriots like Kyle Rittenhouse trying to save people and protect people from getting killed and he ended up having to shoot a couple people because his life was in immediate danger and yet he's the bad guy? People are brutal. They would have killed him if he did not defend himself. Despisers of good. If you're for anything, if you're if you're for anything good, you're you're a bigot, you're a racist, you're prejudiced, you're intolerant, you need to be re-educated like Jordan Peterson, like Trudeau's trying to do to Jordan Peterson. You hear about that one? Jordan Peterson retweeted somebody's critical comment of Trudeau, so it didn't really come from his mouth. The Trudeau administration got a hold of him and said, "Uh uh-uh, buddy, we're going to strip you of your license unless you go to re-education. I mean, talk about 1984 Orwell. Brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then having a form of godliness but denying its power. So putting that verse in the context, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. That's what social justice is. As as in the secular world, as the secular world defines social justice. It's a form of godliness. It appears good. It appears right because it's justice, right? We want everybody to have rights, everybody to be fair, except for if you're a Christian. Except for if you believe in the Bible then we'll censor you and you know we'll persecute you but everybody else we want right having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof in other words denying god himself denying the scriptures where godliness and goodness comes from but having a form of godliness because it looks and it claims to be social justice paul says stay away from such people Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. The book of Judges was so messed up that a guy named Jephthah, who was the most unlikely of judges, he was actually kind of a bastard. He His mom was a prostitute, and therefore the rest of his brother says, you have no inheritance. We don't want you. But all of a sudden, they got hard up and really desperate and says, oh, by the way, you're such a great warrior. Will you come and lead us? Oh, wait, wait. He didn't want me before. Why am I good enough now? So he said, Lord, help me to win this battle. And whatever comes out of my gate, when I come home, that whatever greets me, I'm going to sacrifice to you. Kind of assuming it would be a cow or a goat or something like that. But his daughter came out with a tambourine. And the scripture said that, you know, he intended to sacrifice her because he that was the vow he made to God. How messed up is that? That somebody would think that God would approve of sacrificing your own kid. That's how messed up it was in Judges. That's how messed up we are today. Think of Samson, how worldly he was. I mean, he he was under a Nazarite vow. He wasn't to cut his hair. He wasn't to touch anything dead. He wasn't to get drunk. He broke pretty much all of his vows. Even in the midst of, of the Lord using him, even in the midst of his disobedience, God nonetheless used him. I mean, he slaughtered, what, thousands of Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey? Well, that's a dead thing. He killed a lion and then went back a few days later and stuck his hand in that lion's carcass because bees have produced a nest and produced honey, and he got honey. He broke his vow. And then finally, Delilah got it out of him that he never cut his hair since, he was, since he'd been born, and she cut his hair. Broke all the... So how worldly Samson was. He had a form of godliness. But yet he was living like the devil. He had a form of godliness, but broke all the rules. Now, there was another thing in, 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 in Judges where this woman says, you know what? Somebody stole my money. Curse be upon them for that person that stole my money. Uh, Mom, it was me. I'm the one who stole your money. Here it is. Here it is back. Oh, well, bless you, son, for returning my money. I'm so thankful. Let's make an idol. So melt. Let's let us let's melt this money down and make an idol out of it. Where's the logic in all this? We're living in contradictory times like that. We're living in the time of the judges. And then another guy. It's the most horrific story you will ever read in scripture, in my opinion. I can barely read it because it disturbs me so much. But a man went to go fetch his concubine because his concubine ran away from him. He finally got her, went to the father's house. The father convinced him to stay for a couple days. And all of a sudden, these people came. And wanted to have their way with him, so they shoved the concubine out and they raped her to death, all night long, raped her to death. So in the morning she's sitting laying there on the threshold. All right, get up, let's go, we're heading home. She was dead. So what did he do? He hacked her up and sent her body to the twelve tribes of Israel, saying, "These Benjamites that did this, let's get them." How messed up is that? But we live in such a time. Matthew 24 37 says, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the coming of the Son of Man. When we see the same things happen in Noah's day, happening today, it means the return of Messiah is very, very close. So what was going on in Noah's day? Sorcery, witchcraft, transhumanism. That's happening today. People are trying to turn themselves into cyborgs. People are trying to, you know, uh, uh, morph with technology. People are trying to insert foreign DNA into them to turn them into something else or to enhance their abilities. This was, I mean, Genesis 6-4 was all talking about the fallen angelic race cohabitating with the human women and creating the Nephilim, creating the giants. And even the scriptures, if you read the Hebrew carefully, hints that Nimrod May not have been born a giant or a Nephilim, but he became a, a Giborim. He did something, whether it was occultic, cultic or somehow he achieved to change himself into something else. Crazy. You had transgenderism in the time of Noah. These pagan cults, they would castrate their priests to make them more feminine. And then to worship their God, you would actually have sex with the priests or the priestess prostitution you had trans species because Jude says all flesh had corrupted itself on the earth so not only was the human genome being corrupted with the Nephilim but where do you think we get all the mythology of the centaurs and Minotaurs and the chimeras and all these mythological creatures it's all the stuff that the fallen angels were doing and the same things happening and it's happening through science Where they're trying to mix, we've already mixed species of plant together, and God said, don't do that. But yet we've done it. And now we're combining DNA. All the taboos of, of messing with DNA is pretty much lifted. And now human and animal DNA are being mixed, and, and they're trying to crossbreed and mix animals and come up with different stuff. And so we're seeing, as in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. There's, there was immorality of every sort. You know, there was abortion and euthanasia. In the books of Enoch, it said that these fallen angels taught mankind how to perform abortions, encouraged euthanasia. Taught prostitution, astrology, witchcraft, sorcery, pharmakia, witchcraft and sorcery through drug use. We're seeing that today too. So we're living in those times. Number two, there'll be no dependable human justice. We're living in a day and age where you can't depend on the justice system. Though Canada and the United States was founded on Judeo-Christian principles, founded on the principles of the word of God, we have been so far removed that in the courtroom there's no justice. A thief, a murderer, a rapist has more protection than a law-abiding citizen today. Somebody breaks in to steal your stuff and you injure them in the process, you're the one who's going to get in trouble. Not the guy stealing. You probably made him steal because you're richer than he is. Crazy logic like that. There will be no dependable human justice. And you know, in the last several years, I've lost all faith in the justice system. Once the policemen started becoming the goon squad for the government, and instead of catching rapists and murderers and all that, more concerned if you're wearing a piece of paper over your face than anything else, That's when I started losing faith. Right there. Where's your priority? To a mandate? that A mandate isn't a law. Did you know that? It's not a law. It's not something that was passed in the books as law. But yet they were enforcing a mandate rather than enforcing law itself. And once the police force becomes the government goon squad, the people are in trouble. There will be no dependable human justice system. Just like in in Joseph's life, Genesis 37 through 45, Joseph was hated by his brothers and betrayed. He was sold into slavery. If that wasn't bad enough, when he was a slave in Potiphar's house, his wife falsely accused him of rape. And then he was put in the dungeon for years. And he didn't do one thing wrong. Maybe he was a little cocky, a little arrogant. As te- most teenagers are, because he was around 15 when all this happened. But other than that, he didn't really do anything immoral, anything wrong. But there was no justice for him. He endured something that was unjust, imprisoned wrongly, put into slavery wrongly. And he endured years of this. But God did some miracles in his life. And saw him through, protected him in the process, showed him favor as a slave, showed him favor as a prisoner. And he eventually became second second in command of Egypt. But in this day and age, we're living in chaotic, contradictory times like that of the judges. Number two, there's no dependable human justice systems. If we don't get justice on this earth, we will for sure get justice in the next life. God will settle the score. So even if we have to wait until the next life, God's going to set things right. Number three, there will be civil war in the church, and I believe it's already happened. Matthew 10, 36 says, a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Literally and spiritually. The last three years have torn the body of Christ more than anything I've ever seen in my entire life. Split churches right down the middle, you know, against vax, no vax, mask, no mask. And people who called themselves brothers and sisters in Christ were fighting with each other because they had a difference of opinion on those matters. Some people weren't even allowed in church if they didn't agree with this party or this group because they thought differently. Civil war has happened in the church, and it's happening now, and it will continue, and it will get worse. A man's enemies will be members of his own household. There's going to be, there's going to be the church at large, which has adopted this woke culture. That has adopted this, this form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. They're the ones who want to be friends with the world. They want the world to like them. They want to be accepted by the world. And they are the very ones that's going to turn against us, persecute us. The ones that are the remnant that are still holding to what the word of God says, what it literally says. And not backing down, not backpedaling, not being a quiet little wallflower and shutting up and sitting in the corner. But living the word of God because God said so. We are the ones who are going to be persecuted by those people who call themselves Christians. Because we don't believe in the LBGTQABCD agenda. Because we don't believe that a child should have his, his, his gender mutilated. Just because on a whim they feel like it or because a teacher told them that they're a different gender. And we have some people in the church, that even pastors that are coming out. Saying that they don't even believe in the laws of God anymore. Let's just take the Old Testament and chuck it out. Love, 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 love. It's all about love. Love, 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 love. And they're they're not going by the word of God, and they're adopting this woke culture, trying to justify it through the scriptures, and they can't. In 2 Samuel, chapters 15 through 19, David was on the run from Absalom. He lost his kingdom. He was living in a cave, and he was living from hand to mouth. He was persecuted by his own family. 2 Kings 19, Elijah was on the run, but was provided for by God and restored. So there's a civil war going on in Christendom right now. And it's going to be like it was back in the 40s. Now today, a Nazi is about the worst thing you can call somebody. But did you know Hitler claimed to be a Christian? He claimed that the whole movement was a Christian movement. Everything he did in the, in the wars against the Jews and humanity, he did in the name of Christ. That's how messed up and twisted it is. So there's a civil war in the church. And these woke believers are going to turn us in when the time comes because we're not fitting with the program of the world, which the world is protecting them. There's going to be forced brainwashing. The whole Jordan Peterson thing. We're going to re-educate you. So you don't say stupid stuff like that on Twitter anymore. And if you don't, we're going to pull your license. Daniel 1.8 said, Daniel resolved not to be defiled. Daniel, his three friends, and all of Judah was taken into Babylonian captivity. The best and the brightest of the Judeans were handpicked By the babylonian elite to assimilate them into babylonian culture to make them babylonians and to forget their jewish heritage to worship their gods to follow their rules and laws but daniel said no i refuse i will still be who i am they tried to brainwash daniel through three years of babylonian university did it change his attitude did it change his outlook did it change his faith no he did not budge how is this possible When we're sending our kids to four years of university and they leave Christian and come back atheist, come back woke, come back pagan. Because they didn't have the proper foundation because most people sent their kids to church camp for one week out of the year or sent them to youth group once a week or sent them to church every Sunday thinking that those few days out of the week is going to counteract all the bull crap they're learning in public school. They were brainwashed from school and it solidified in university when they were away from church and didn't have to go to church. Daniel was educated every single day in the word of God since he could understand things and read and write and all this kind of since he was a little kid. And so he knew what he believed, why he believed it, and he wouldn't be swayed. But yet we're heading in a time that if you want to eat, you want to keep your job, you want to keep your certification, you've got to agree that you believe these things. When I got my job at the superstore, we went through all this, you know, you know, uh, training. And part of it was, oh, you know, what do you do if somebody comes in and, you know, you got to ask what their pronoun is or, you know, all this weird stuff. So, I mean, of course, I answered what they expected me to answer, but I'm not going to go along with that crap. I mean, it's like today, you know, if, if somebody was born a man, yet they're dressed up in a dress, I'm still going to call them, sir. I'm still going to call them by Bob instead of Brenda, what they want to be called. Well, that's hate. No, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie and and give in to their delusion of pretending they're something they're not and that they never will be. Male and female, XXXY, that's it. You can't change that. You can change what you look like on the outside. You still do a DNA test. It's still going to say you're a dude. I don't care if I get fined, I get jailed, I get shut down. I'm not going to go against the word of God just because the world wants me to. But there's going to be a forced brainwashing. We're going to re-educate you. So you don't say those offensive things anymore. So you don't do those. What are those offensive things? Telling the truth? What are those offensive things? Living by the word and the commandments of God? Yes. Woe to them who call good evil and evil good, Isaiah said. And that's the day and the time we're living in right now. Whose fault is that? My fault. Whose fault is that? It's your fault. Whose fault is that? It's the church's fault. Oh, that's the world. We're just going to let the world be what the world is. No, we didn't stand up for truth. And we got walked all over like a welcome mat. And because we didn't stand up for right, protest... And fight against all this crap that's going on it's inundated us and it's even inundated and changed the church and it's nobody's fault but our own because we refuse to take action we refuse to do something about it and we're reaping the consequences of our own disobedience if you know to do good and you don't do it it's the same as a sin so force brainwashing if you watch the secular news You watch secular TV, you are slowly being brainwashed. Because they're putting in the world agenda into every sitcom, into every drama, into every show. Well, that's just the way it is now. I know it's wrong, but I'm going to keep watching it because I like this show. You know what? You're going to eventually tolerate it. And that tolerance will go all the way to acceptance. Guaranteed. So we're being brainwashed through mass and social media. We're having to self-censor when we're online because we cannot speak our mind on most platforms. And if you self-censor on platforms, you're going to self-censor in life because you don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to get people mad at you. You don't want people to hate you. You don't want want people to persecute you. Well, then you're just falling into that agenda. Silence is consent. The liberal woke education system from childhood. They're teaching sex education to elementary school kids now. I mean, if I had a kid in this day and age, luckily my daughter's grown, but I'd be homeschooling that child. There'd be no way I'd let them get brainwashed and force-fed the garbage and godlessness that is in our public schools. There's going to be forced... You're going to be forced to take classes, or you're going to lose your money. Your bank account will be frozen, or you're going to lose your, your, your license or your credentials, or you'll be fired. Like I said, the whole Jordan Peterson thing. And it reminds me of an episode of Star Trek Next Generation, when Picard was captured by the Cardassians. They are trying to play a mind game on him. They, they humiliated him. They stripped him naked, hung him up by his, his wrists. And then they'd come in every once in a while, and these floodlights would, 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 flat, would be in his face. The Cardassian said, how many lights there are? He said, there's four. No, there's not. There's five. How many were they?" There were really four. But their Cardassian was trying to convince him that they were five, wanting to break him to say that they were five. And no matter what they did to him, he said, no, there's four. There's only four. He would not uh, acquiesce to this. But Daniel... He resolved not to be defiled. And as a result, he survived and rose to prominence and power. I mean, reread the life of Noah, the exodus from Egypt, the book of Judges, the life of David, the life of Elijah, the life of Daniel. And cling to the promises of the word of God. First Peter. You guys awake tonight? First Peter chapter 1 verse 13 again therefore gird up the loins of your mind be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ gird up the loins of your mind prepare yourself think ahead of how you're gonna deal with situations when they come You know, athletes not only train their body, they train their mind. They will run races in their mind and win. And it actually helps them to win. There's a pastor, uh, if anybody watches uh, Church of the Rock from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Mark Hughes, his brother, was basically paralyzed in the hospital. He'd go visit him. He says, what are you doing today? Oh, I'm playing tennis today. He's playing tennis in his mind. He was constantly visualizing his body working and moving properly. The doctor said, you're never going to walk. You're never going to walk again. Well, lo and behold, one day he got out of bed. And though it looked like Frankenstein and he was all stiff, he walked. And eventually he checked himself out and walked to the elevator, got in the elevator and turned and said, see ya, suckers. (laughs) He was going home. It's because he girded up the loins of his mind. He prepared himself and he believed. So we're to be sober, to be alert, to be on guard, to have our head on a sliver. We're to hope. In other words, we're to, we're to trust. We're to trust and hope and endure of the sure things that is coming. John 16.33 says, We will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Because he has overcome the world. So the, so all of this is coming. And I don't mean to be a downer. But you know what? I would rather be a bummer right now. So that you will be prepared when this happens. Instead of it happening and you act like, Oh no, nobody told me. Why are we going through this? Lord, what's happening? And you're all shocked and, and, and taken by surprise. You know... I know it's not a good thing to to get in a fight but if somebody pushes you what are you gonna do a lot of times you'll push back and my father says look you better not start a fight but if you get in a fight I expect you to fight back don't sit there and take it we've been pushed and pushed and pushed and they're continuing to push because they know they can push us oh they're Christians they won't do anything Oh, they're Christians. They won't say anything. Watch. We'll just keep doing it. We'll keep pushing the envelope. Look how far we've gotten, and they haven't said a peep. Oh, yeah, they bellyache and complain, but they get over it. Before Disney went fully woke, like a decade or so ago, and they were kind of experimenting and putting out feelers with the gay day, Krishna says, okay, we're boycotting Disney. Were they threatened? No, they knew they can get the Christians back. You want to know how they did it? All right, all of Christendom, we boycott Disney because they're having gay day. You know, don't watch their movies. Don't go to the theaters. Don't go to the parks. Blah, blah, blah. blah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the Lion, and the Witch, in the Wardrobe came out. Oh, it's a Christian movie. Let's bring our church. Just because they did a C.S. Lewis book... All of Christendom forgot about the boycott of Disney, and they flocked to the theaters in droves. They brought their whole churches. They got the Christian audience back. And now they're fully blown woke, and it's like nobody cares. Now, if, if a dude can put makeup on and dress in a dress and walk around and expect to be treated normally, then why can't we... Walk around with a Christian t-shirt, a Bible under our arm, a cross around our neck. Mm -hmm. Oh no, I'm going to get made fun of. Oh no, I'm going to be called intolerant. and Oh no, this is going to happen. It's time to push back. It's time to be bold. Did Jesus ever cower in the face of pagans or the religious elite? He was in your face. Lovingly and respectfully, but he never backpedaled. He never backed down Even when the world is proven wrong Do they admit they're wrong? No, they double down on being wrong no, 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 and they double down Why can't we push back and double down on the Word of God because we're standing on the truth? We have reality we have the truth on our side doesn't mean we're gonna get away scot-free We will be persecuted but to, be, but to stand by silently and just bellyache and complain about it is the same as consent. I mean, we've got to the point where little children are being dragged out into the streets and being made to watch an ugly, hairy man in a rainbow leotard with dildos hanging off of this leotard on a parade float, dry humping another guy. I'm sorry for being so cruel. And Crude, but that's what the little kids are seeing and it's okay And if you say that it's wrong, and if you say that it that that you're against it, you're a hater You're a bigot. You're a homophobe. You're intolerant. No, that's ungodly And I'm not gonna stand by and watch it and let it happen and say nothing I'm gonna verbalize this is wrong whether you like it or not whether you like me saying it or not think of me what you will I Mean, I'm not trying to brag on myself. But, I mean, I grew up being made fun of in school because I was a believer. But I just didn't sit there and take it. I was a Christian headbanger. Which meant I wore Christian t-shirts. I drug my Bible everywhere. And when somebody would take the Lord's name in vain, ah, Jesus Christ, I'd run to the nearest window. I'd say, where? And all of a sudden, they got so sick of me doing that all the time, they simply stopped. I was relentlessly hounded, but I didn't back down. And you know what by the end of my high school career the very people that made fun of me the very people that persecuted me the very people that even dare beat me up signed my yearbook and was saying things man I wish I had the courage you had man I respect you because you stuck to your guns it didn't matter what we did to you you never gave up I ended up earning their respect Even though I was treated like dirt during my whole high school career because I wouldn't back down We can't be ashamed. The Lord says if you're ashamed of me, I'm gonna be ashamed of you. You deny me before men I'm gonna deny you before my father It's time to put your foot down and start pushing back. I'm not trying to promote violence I'm just saying stand up for the truth stand up for right If somebody's saying something that's wrong, but yet it's accepted by the entire world. You say no, that's not true. No matter what they say, no matter what they threaten you with. Because they're... They're just going to keep doing it anyway. And we need to stand up against it and verbalize against it. Well, you're not going to win anybody that way. They still need to know that they're doing wrong. God told Jeremiah. Jeremiah, tell them that they're doing wrong. Prophesy to them that they're doing wrong. You know what? Nobody's going to listen to you though. Boy, that was a bummer for Jeremiah. But Jeremiah did it anyway, because these people had to be held accountable. They had to stand before God one day and say, Jeremiah told you this. You knew better. You just chose to ignore him. You chose to lock him up and throw him in a well. But you have no excuse because you've been told and you know better. People are going to stand before God. Well, I know a lot of Christians and none of these Christians said anything about this to me, Lord. Then whose fault is that going to be? It's going to be your fault. It's going to be my fault because we didn't tell them. It's going to be your fault. It's going to be my fault because we were too scared to stand up for the word of God and just let them go in their delusion. Let them go in their sinful lifestyle. Let them go in their lostness, dancing and singing all the way to hell. Even if they don't listen to you. It will penetrate their heart and mind. And when they're in the quiet of their their, their solitude of their own room. And when nobody else is around. Your words are going to haunt them and echo in their mind. And it's going to send shockwaves of conviction throughout their spirit. Whether they show it outwardly or not. You never know what seed you plant by what you say. By what you wear. By what you do. So be bold. Be brave. Push back. Don't take... The form of godliness the world is trying to shove on you and shove down your throat You rebel against it Jesus was considered a revolutionary in his day Revolutionary means he revolted against the man-made corrupt system of religion And he was trying to steer people back to the pure Word of God We need to do the same and if we don't we're no better than the woke crowd because our silence Is consent. It's time to be radical. It's time to be brave. It's time to be bold. I love you guys. I don't mean to shout at you like I'm yelling at you. I just get excited about this stuff. I get passionate about this. And you know I've been thinking over the last few weeks. Of myself. And thinking of how I was in high school. And how far I've come from that. Now, I mean, I'm older, I'm wiser, I'm smarter, but I should be just as radical as I was then. Growing up kind of toned me down a little bit. And I need to get back to my headbanger route, so to speak, to where I can be bold and brave. You know, and I was just talking with a, with a friend about making some pretty bold Christian t-shirts to wear. That would just push people's buttons kind of weird because I said, Donald, I wish I could find some nice t-shirts. Yeah, well, we're going to, yeah, Sean's got that idea, and me and, so, yeah, they're coming. They're coming. And I mean, you know, if if, if you wear the jewelry, you wear the t-shirt, make sure you're living it, you know, or else you'll be a hypocrite, of course. So I'm not saying that it's the clothes that make the person, but it helps you to witness. Yeah. It helps to be a bold witness. And if you mean it and you're living it, wear it and be bold. People could wear these pride shirts all day and nobody says boo about that. But yet people get all bent out of shape if we have a Bible verse on our shirt. Wear it anyway. That's more reason to wear it. Yeah, it's more reason to wear it. And you know, like all the persecution I received actually fueled me, it made me bolder. And, you know, the persecution that the world received from, you know, like back in the 80s when people, when gays were made fun of, it fueled them to be bolder. And now they've gained more control over the whole media and the whole way of thinking because they allow the persecution to fuel them. The persecution of Christians in China and North Korea are fueling them to be bolder and braver believers, even though they're being tortured and imprisoned. We need to let that same thing happen to us, to fuel us, not to make us afraid. Because if they make us afraid and silence us, are they going to stop and leave us alone? No, they're going to keep pushing further because what was the whole agenda? All we want is to be accepted. As long as you accept us, we're fine with it. Okay, we accept you. Nope, that's not good enough. Now we want a civil union. We'll shut up after that. Give us a civil union. We'll shut up after that. Okay, fine. Have your civil union. No, 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 no. Not good enough. We demand to be married. You see how it doesn't stop? They keep moving the goalpost back. You have to draw a line in the sand and stay there and not move. And say, no, not happening. Because if you back down, they're still going to keep pushing anyway and uh, mow you over. And if you don't stand for something, you will end up falling for anything. As the saying goes, I can ramble on and on and on, but I'm going to shut her down. We need to get upset with ourselves, with what we've allowed to happen to our nations. And we need to start doing something to take it back. Will we be successful? Maybe not. But at least when we stand before God, we can say, you know what, I did all, my, all I can. I was, I was late to the party, but once I arrived, I did all I can, Lord. And I know it's not all about works. I get that. But again, to sit back and to be silent is consent. And we've got to do something. Push back somehow to let people know there still is a remnant. And you won't, Christians don't die, we multiply. What happens when Christians are persecuted in China and North Korea? Revivals break out. People get saved. Maybe that's the only way that true revival is going to come to our nation is once we start getting persecuted like they are overseas. It's not what I want to happen, but that's what I see happening if things don't change. And we've got to start right now with who we are, with what we got, and with the circle and power of influence that we have, and do what we need to do, everything in our power to push back To say there still is a remnant. There still is somebody who knows that there is an absolute right and an absolute wrong. That the word of God is still the word of God. That God is still on his throne. That Yeshua the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is still still the Messiah. And still the only way to salvation and the only way to the Father. Let's pray. Lord, please help us to gird up the loins of our mind for what's ahead to be just as bold and tenacious as the prophets were you told one of the prophets I'm gonna make your forehead as hard as a diamond and as hard as flint don't be afraid of how they look at you don't be afraid of them they're stubborn be twice as stubborn as they are they double down you quadruple down that's what you commanded the prophets And Lord, we are your voice in the last day. How can we do no less? How can we even show our face before your throne? And we have sit here and let this happen and have done nothing to stop it. And even if it doesn't stop, at least we can stand before your throne and say, you know what? I did all I could, Lord. Because we want to hear that enter in, thou good and faithful servant. We don't want to hear depart from me. You worker of iniquity. You worker of lawlessness. For I I never knew you. Father, deepen our love for you. Deepen our commitment and loyalty and faithfulness to you. Deepen our, our knowledge and our hunger for the word of God. Deepen our connection with you through Messiah Yeshua. Deepen our connection with each other through Messiah Yeshua. To be the brothers and sisters in the family that we truly are in the Lord. We love you and we praise you and we ask these things in Yeshua's name. Amen.